Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock uh, just a quick update, as we've been doing every day on this show, the uh, cop killer Elias Dorsey, his trial update. Um, the update is the jury is still in deliberations, and they stayed awfully late last night. We, I say last night, I guess I should say early this morning. Around 2.30 a.m. They had deliberations for about 10 hours yesterday into early this morning. They broke around 10.30. Now, they're not sequestered, so they were allowed to go home. They went home, got a little rest. They reported back today, and uh, more deliberations are underway. Of course, Dorsey uh, killing officer Breanne Leith. Uh, It was a domestic violence a call in 2020 shot through the door she identified herself had police you know and he started unloading his gun through the door hit her in the head she died and now we just have to wait for the jury to either find him uh guilty or um insane Right. He's not going to completely skate, but there could definitely be some scaling down of charges here if they feel like he was mentally ill in any way. So, again, now we wait. Uh, They deliberated for around 10 hours yesterday. They reported back to the courthouse around 1 o'clock this afternoon, and the jury heard additional arguments, like one final round of closing arguments from each side. Each side, the defense, the prosecution, they were given 20 minutes, 20 minutes tops to refresh the jurors and make their case in hopes that they can get a verdict today. Let's hope the prosecution uh, does its job very well and convinces that jury because he's trying to weasel out by using the insanity defense. It's ridiculous. Lee's family thinks it's ridiculous and outrageous. It's not me speaking for them. They've said it on the news before. I would have a feeling that um, the FOP, the IMPD all are are standing uh, closely by watching the outcome of this verdict. We've said this for a couple of days. For me, it comes down to, does he know the difference between right and wrong? All the other stuff, the brain scans, his activities, the things he's done in the past, his upbringing, all I want to know, does he know the difference between right and wrong? Because if he does, and I think that he does, then justice has to be served for the Leith family. So we are keeping our eye on that story. Now, it's a little update here on the big AT&T outage of yesterday. At first, some stories were coming out saying, well, maybe it's solar flares. <laughs> well, maybe it's Rick flares. <laughs> Woo! I don't know. Maybe it's a hack. Maybe it's a hack. Maybe it's the Chinese. Maybe it's the Russians. I don't know. <laughs> well, now the story is that it's just crappy software. Oh, really? AT&T really? says their outage was caused by a software glitch. They fixed the glitch. <laughs> a little office space for you. Uh, they told ABC in a statement that the outage was not a cyber attack, but caused by the application and execution of an incorrect process used as they are expanding their network. Again, like I said yesterday, what I say yesterday, human, that's fancy talk for human error. But to be fair, I was going to believe no matter what. I don't believe no matter what they say. 
Like if they went out, if they came out and said, yeah, we got hacked by the Chinese, I would have said, oh, that's a bunch of BS. <laughs> I bet it was bad coding. You know, somebody that was told to learn to code <laughs> didn't properly learn to code. That's how cynical I can be sometimes. I just, I, I don't believe anything I hear anymore. The uh, folks at AT&T also went on to tell ABC that, quote, there was nothing nefarious or malicious about this incident. Mm. Okay, good. That's good. Don't believe him, but that's good. Full Ron Burgundy. I don't uh, believe you. I The thing that scared me yesterday was um, I, the bank I go to had a nationwide outage, too. So which was, did we I heard that from that? a few people. Yeah. Somebody in our newsroom, and I can't remember who it was, said they had issues uh, with online banking yesterday yep. as well. I did. So. It, it got back to normal around 7 or 8 o'clock last night, but I could not get into my account at all yesterday, which was kind of scary. Still a lot yeah. of questions. A lot of questions here. And yeah. you know who else doesn't believe what they're being told ai donald trump here is ai donald trump on the big at&t outage of yesterday it wasn't a software glitch it was totally the chinese it's really sad they are hacking your phones and coming across the border (laughs) to have sex with your wives and shove bud lights in your children's asses ai donald trump right there with his thoughts on who's responsible for the big outage yesterday night. Uh, We got some good news here. Uh, Who's ready for some good news? Finally, please, can we, for once? Pacers Sports and Entertainment, they put out their final reports on All-Star Weekend attendance. And turns out, breaking news, the people in the state of Indiana like basketball. You're kidding. More than 190,000 fans attended All-Star Weekend. This is the highest attended NBA All-Star Weekend in 14 years. That's good news, right? Sure. I thought somebody, like a sports writer for the Star, said it was the death of the All-Star game, though, if if I'm not mistaken. The lack of defense being played in the game. That cracks me up a little bit. I was having a conversation on OutKick about this earlier in the week. I wish people were as passionate about local elections as they are wanting people to play defense in an all-star <laughs> right, game. Right. Like, I get it. It's a glorified slam dunk and three-point shootout. But do you really want to see, like, Tyrese Halliburton getting down into a stance, <laughs> slapping the floor, getting ready to lock somebody up? I mean, is that what you're expecting to see in an all-star game? I don't think it is. Uh, the money that was brought in for various charities throughout the state of Indiana – million. So between the Pacers and the NBA and the various charities, youth family charities across this state, $3.5 million. Incredible. Love it. Love to hear that. And again, the highest attended NBA All-Star event in 14 years? Yes. Over a decade, baby. And that's with damn near blizzard on Friday. Friday. Wow. Like, I hate the fact the weather was so perfect just a couple days later. Like, we're walking around outside, you know, in just, like, light hoodies. You know, it's 60 degrees. But with these stats you just rattled off here, it didn't seem to have much of an effect. It was still a success. You know what I mean? Yeah, I thought the city came together. I thought it was a great event, and I hope the businesses made some money. Now, I did get a message on social media from somebody that did not want to identify themselves, but they work at a restaurant here downtown. They thought they would make a little bit more money, but what happened was Circle Center Mall was turned into like a food garage. Like, basically, 
a food hall. All these different vendors were setting up in Circle Center Mall. Like temporarily? Yes. Oh. And that may have taken away a little bit from some of the local restaurants. Okay. Now, the bars were fine. I didn't know that. Yeah, the bars... Have booze, will travel. They were fine. But the <laughs> sit-down, standalone restaurants thought they would make a little bit more money. They didn't know that was going to happen with the mall. Uh, speaking of uh, businesses here, Nige, tell me if this would entice you, okay? Think about if you're somebody that doesn't really want to go back to the office. During COVID, yeah. you started working from home, and you realized, you know what? I kind of like it here. Yeah. I'm going to go full Tony Katz. Screw going into the <laughs> office. I'm going to keep my rear end right here. Tell me if this would entice you. There's an article in the Wall Street Journal that says some employers are pumping in fragrances into the workspace to improve the moods of the staff. Well, if you were pumping in, you know, say... A fragrance that smelled like brisket. Ooh. I'm coming back to work, baby. <laughs> That's right. Count me in. I don't care what they have to spray, but if you can get anywhere near that unisex bathroom that's right across the hall from us, I mean, it was bad before, because I really do oh, think dear, the folks yes. in that newsroom punish it. But now we've got to share the floor with those filthy, no good, rotten people from the fan, and they go in there, man, and it looks like something you'd see on carb day. So by all means, spray some sort of fragrance and entice people to come back. And how about we do great moments in office fragrance history? Oh, I didn't know there's such. It's called Sex Panther by <laughs> Odeon. It's illegal in nine countries. It's made with bits of real panther, so you know it's good. It's quite pungent. Oh yeah. They've done studies, you know. Sixty percent of the time, <laughs> it works. Every, every time. That doesn't make sense. Oh my God, what is that smell? Oh. That's the smell of desire, my lady. God, no, it smells like like a used diaper filled with Indian food. Oh. You know, desire smells like that to some people. What is that? It smells like a turd covered in burnt hair. Great moments in office fragrance history. Smells like the inside of a fake leg. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. It's always a good time. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Yeah, hey, I'm Nigel. Hammer's here. Also live in studio, Matt Bear, the traffic beast from the WIBC Traffic Center. His podcast is called Suborting Sobriety. Matt, uh, the podcast dropped a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I just got around to listening to the first two or three episodes uh, this week. Incredible stuff. And it's, oh, thanks, it's, man. Do you mind if I play a clip from this? Uh, uh, yeah, if you, if you have one, Hammer, sure, go do you, ahead. Do you yeah. care if I, I, I've got this clip... Um, and I recognized who you were talking about in this clip immediately. Uh, this <laughs> okay, it I know starts which one out. It, it, this is from the first episode, and you it, it, you'll hear Ryan, Ryan Hedrick, your um, your co, your co-host, co-host and your partner, but he's also you know part of the WIBC news crew. Um, 
you'll hear him talk for a few seconds and then you proceed to tell a story and if we could go ahead and hit that clip please and I have long-term recovery from the disease of addiction and now it's my mission to help you support your loved ones as they struggle with their addiction I have a co-worker that I wanted to hang out with and go drinking with so we went on a Saturday afternoon it was around 2 p.m. and you know you have to find that particular bar that one bar that will serve you alcohol at 2 p.m. and not give you too much of a look and we were able to find it an old bar a traditional bar not necessarily a dive bar but even they started giving me funny looks when i started ordering well tequila on a saturday afternoon at 2 p.m it wasn't one shot it turned into six or seven on top of the three craft beers we were drinking in the meantime i did drive home i did go home and go to sleep and pass out and i woke up and again my hands are shaking i'm vomiting and at that time it was yes you need to go back into rehabilitation. My name is Matt Bear. I'm an alcoholic in recovery. That was uh, the, from the first episode of Supporting Sobriety. That coworker was me. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I don't know. I, we've sort of talked about that before. I can't remember if we've talked about that before on the air or not. But so, so what do you think? Like, I sit there and I'm listening to it and I'm, I'm, I'm smiling. But at the same time, I'm like, like, how do you reconcile being able to to kind of smile and not not necessarily joke around about your past? You know what I'm saying? But like, I remember that day vividly. And I do remember you. Wow, this guy's drinking warm yellow well tequila out of a Dixie cup. I, <laughs> but I was yeah. drinking, too, you know, but right. I wasn't I, I wasn't on that level, I will admit. So so when you look back, can you? Can you look back on that? Because a little smile came over my face because I remember that day and I remember enjoying being with you. But at the same time, I know you. I didn't know you were going through something horrific. And that's the thing. I mean, you might have seen me uh, sulking down in my chair a little bit more while I was listening to that. And that's you know common when you hear that stuff back. Um, the reason I tell this story, it's everything. I have a sense of humor about this, except for the part of drinking and driving. That's the part of that that I regret the most, but I have but to overall, admit that. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand. I, I've got to admit that because I want to be honest about it. I want to be honest with people about, you know, the, the, the crimes that I committed. And that's Now, let me just jump in here real quick, because that's the first thing that I noticed, because that's the first time I'd heard that clip. I've not yet had a chance to listen to a lot of the shows in their entirety. That's the first time I've heard that clip. And the first thing I thought of was, oh my God, Matt Bear was hammered and he drove drunk home but then nige you let him now you're not his dad you're not his gatekeeper but your podcast does it in any way discuss situations like this like is there any responsibility that should have been on nige's behalf? yeah that's the, you know should i have said hey wait a minute wait matt you want me to drop you off now you, i think at the time and it doesn't matter in any way shape or form whatsoever i will say you lived right around the corner i believe but i i, I maybe look back and say hey why don't you let me drop you off um the thing is and i'm gonna tell you first off and, and yes you always want to be there for your buddies and everything but i'm culpable i i made my decisions and, and i knew what i was doing when i said hey now Nigel, do you want to go have a drink with me? Um, I wasn't drinking to just have lunch or dinner. I was drinking to get drunk, and then I was going to drive home because that's what I always did. I say that with no pride whatsoever. No, and, no. And, I, and I say that without expecting anybody to forgive me or to excuse my behavior on that. But when... 
I, I we, we do address this, and we have an episode called Enabling, and we just touch on this. Remember, a lot of these topics we're just touching on right now, and through supporting sobriety, we're putting the information out there for the people that, that, that help people like me, and like Ryan Hedrick, our fantastic morning man on WIBC, and now, and now my uh, co-host, uh, my partner, and yeah. he's a great one. But uh, we put that out there to help the people that helped us because we put them through so much. And on that day, I put the people on College Avenue through a lot. They didn't know it at the time, but I sure did because right. I was... People's kids are out there driving around. Like, And I know I sound like such a wet blanket, no, you but don't. my kid is driving. No, Can I say don't. something else about the podcast, too? It's not just you and Ryan telling each other stories. No. It's it's not that at all. That was just kind of one story to you know get everybody introduced to who you and Ryan were. But it's it's you know you have sobriety you have interve- I listened to the episode where you had the interventionist, the professional interventionist on, which was very compelling. Uh, it was That's, my first sponsor, Scott Watson. Yeah, he's a he's a very uh, loving individual. We've had him on the show are. before. Yeah, yeah, Scott's terrific, and um, he was the one. He didn't arrange an intervention for me, but he did uh, reveal kind of a call, kind of arrange a call where I had family come over and we talk about that as well. We have an episode out there about enabling and talking about enabling, which I just don't feel like... um you can be enabled, but I, to me, for me, me personally, I take responsibility on this for myself and my behavior. Um, I, I can't look at, I, I can't look at my upbringing and, and right. say there was something wrong with that. I mean, my, my parents, they loved me to death. They tried to do everything for me. There is nobody on the hook here except for me. What. I love about this project, and for those who are watching on the YouTube stream, you can see there are times where Matt's really uncomfortable. I can tell when you're uncomfortable, right? Mm -hmm. I I can just see it in your body language, but you're doing this anyway. And I know this is helping people because I heard Rob Kendall talking about how he couldn't stop listening to it. Rob doesn't have any problems, but he binged all these episodes. Nige, he just said he's listened to like the first three of them, binged these episodes. So even if you're not somebody with a problem or somebody in your inner circle that has a problem, these are things that you can learn. And maybe if there is somebody down the line, you can help. These podcasts are going to help. Yeah, but you guys have drilled it. That's exactly what it is. It's Although Ryan and I tell our stories because we want to share that part of our, we want to be honest about that, be honest who we were and who we are now because we are clean now we do have careers now in in the careers ryan's a successful guy and i'm sure he'd say the same about me but we want to show where you can go where the addict where the alcoholic that you love that's in deep deep addiction right now where they can be if they do get sober but the first thing is getting people sober and that's what supporting sobriety is about offering people offering family members wives husbands these tools and this knowledge so they can go out and stop people like me an addiction. I'm not a bad guy. I made some horrible decisions. I said some terrible things in my life. And your alcoholic may or may not be a bad guy or a bad person. They are captured by this. They are captured by this disease. They don't know who they are. I'm two and a half years sober. Without alcohol, I do not drink. I'm still figuring out who the hell I am. Mm -hmm. I've been drinking since I was 16 years old. And and I'm talking not just drinking, binge drinking. The low point of drinking for my life was getting drunk four nights a week. That was the minimum. 
four nights a week, and that's when I was not abusing alcohol in my mind. And when you say drinking, you're not talking about you had a little glass before bed to help no. calm the nerves. You're talking about <laughs> next level right. kind of stuff. I'm talking about a minimum two bottles of wine. Uh, that's that's what I would take down. And yeah. usually it becomes two and a half, three, and it goes on. Sure. You guys know how it is when your tolerance builds. Um we want to help people that we have abused and and that's i couldn't be more sincere about that and even in sobriety guys we make our mistakes and we're still uh, we still kind of act like horses asses sometimes and we, and we say the wrong things but the fact is i will take any problem i have today over five minutes of that gray of that hell that i put myself through two and a half years ago to get sober again once you begin the process on that first day everything starts to get better i swear on my life that once you start to detox and you go through those first 24 hours in those 48 hours everything is better because you can finally manage your problems start managing your problems like an adult and and that's what it is if you have a twitter account please do us a favor and follow at sobriety underscore pod. I just tweeted it out on our account at Hammer and Nigel, so you can link to it from there. That's where you can find the shows. You can also download them anywhere podcasts are available. Uh, Supporting Sobriety is the name of the podcast on social media, on Twitter, at sobriety underscore pod. Matt Bear, you are a rock star, man. Uh, real quick, thank guys, you. can I thank my mom and dad, my sisters, and my brother? Uh, my my the, the the five of us that you know. I just I haven't said much about them lately, and I just want to thank them. And of course, thanks to you guys for promoting the show. And Rob was excellent earlier this week. I, Rob and Casey, they were amazing to be on with. So we are so blessed uh, to be here today. We really are. Right Rock on, and brother. roll. You're the best. Love you guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer right over there with a special guest on the hotline. Tommy Piggott is the Strategic Communications Director for the RNC. You can check out some of his work on the popular Twitter handle, at RNC Research. Tommy, it's been a big week for border reports. Getting a lot of information coming out of the border. And the thing that sticks out to me, and we've talked about this on our show a little bit, more Chinese nationals are coming across the United States southern border than those from Mexico. What do we make of this? Well, it's a really concerning trend. Uh, first, on one level, shows that the border crisis is global. If you remember back a few years ago, the Biden administration's whole pitch to solve the border crisis was a root causes, quote-unquote, strategy that focused on the Northern Triangle in Mexico, when in reality, we've seen people cross the border from 160 different countries around the world. So that's the first thing, just showing how global this is. And the second is just the, uh, the question of why. I mean, we see the Chinese Communist Party as an entity trying to infiltrate U.S. technology, U.S. agriculture, spy in the United States. Well, at the same time, we see this massive influx of people from China crossing the border, and there's little to no vetting involved with people that are released uh, into this country, regardless of the country they're from, uh, under Joe Biden's current policies. Uh, that coupled also with the growing effort by the Chinese Communist Party to spy on the United States, whether it's the spy balloon or whether it's through having bases in the United States where they can conduct spy operations. There are so many questions here, and it just heightens the, the global nature of this and the security nature of this. 
And it's another reason why we can't afford to have an open border. We need a secure process in place. I'm glad you bring up the spying angle, because let's not be naive here. The Chinese, they love to spy on people. They've got the technology. And at first they thought they would be cute and just send a spy balloon across the country. They kept waiting for it to get shot down. But Joe Biden never shot it down until it was done. I think after that, Tommy, they realized... Well, hell, why don't we just walk across? It'd be easier. We can get more people if we just walked across into their country. Well, and that's part of the big concerning part about this. If you remember back during the Trump administration, they shut down a major consulate that was in the United States uh, from the Chinese government that was considered a major spying operation, a spying base within the United States. The Chinese Communist Party was operating, and they shut that down. We're seeing spying where they're setting up bases in Cuba. They're setting up bases close to the United States uh, in order to spy on us. You mentioned the spy balloon. They, they, they sent that over. There's all, all these different efforts to spy on us from the Chinese government. There's TikTok, which is a spyware app that is basically operating on uh, American phones, millions of them. So to say that the Chinese Communist Party wants to spy on the U.S. is an established fact. And the big question is, why are we seeing this huge increase of people? Uh, it, it's either a coincidence that tens of thousands of people have the same idea at the exact same time. Uh, but that's not a coincidence that we can really uh, just take for granted. I think another option is that there's some sort of co- either an effort behind this or a broader and more significant reason that could be a security concern that we need to get to the bottom to. And the bottom line is this shouldn't even be a question. We shouldn't be in a position where tens of thousands of people from any country are crossing the border and being released into the United States with little to no betting. We need a process in place, especially when it comes to the United States national security, uh, in order to know who's being released into the country and who's crossing the border. And it's so disingenuous for President Biden now talking a tough game on the border, talking about signing executive orders to make it harder for people, illegals, to claim asylum, make it easier to deport. It's so dis like it, it just shows that he is a out and out all in liar because a couple of weeks ago he was like, sorry, I've, I've done all I can. You know, Congress, you know, we had it out there. I've done all I can. But now he's talking about signing executive orders. And that doesn't do anything to the millions of illegal immigrants that are already here and have been here for years. Yeah, already 9 million people crossing the border just since Joe Biden took office. 9 million people, an astronomical number. Uh, and so in this, this executive order discussion, you're exactly right to point out that this proves that Joe Biden's a liar. Him going out there saying, I've done all I can do on the border. Uh, and now he's saying, oh, wait, there's other executive actions that he can take. We'll wait to see what those are, because today, Karine Jean-Pierre went up and said, that actually made no decisions on whether or not they're going to take executive actions. So he might not even end up taking any. But ultimately, it does show that he's a liar. And it's also years long of lying about the border. He created this border crisis with his executive orders in the first 100 days, 94 executive actions creating this border crisis. And his first response to the border crisis was that it was seasonal. And then after bizarrely claiming it's seasonal, then they started claiming that their border process was working. They claimed for years that the border was secure. They had a humane process at the border, flat out lying about the facts and hoping the mainstream media would cover for them. So this is the latest in a long string of lies from Joe Biden. If Joe Biden wanted to end this crisis, he could do it with the stroke of a pen, reversing his open border executive actions. Or alternatively, he could pass H.R. 2, which the House passed to secure the border. The solutions are on the table. And the fact that Joe Biden's not taking them up, taking them up, shows in my mind that this is on purpose, because every day he refuses to take action, it's another day he is purposefully allowing this border crisis to continue. 
Tommy Pickett is our guest. He's the strategic communications director for the RNC. Tommy, it feels like Joe Biden's trying to take the temperature of the Democrats right now. Like, are they upset about what's going on at the border or should he just continue business as usual? Like whoever's pretending to be Joe Biden, because he's not calling the shots. It feels like they're trying to take the temperature of the party, because on one hand, you've got like uh, Pritzker, you know, he comes out and says, whoa, 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 we didn't ask for this uh, crisis. We didn't ask for all these immigrants, even though they're a sanctuary state. And they're not the only ones like the folks in Illinois, the folks in New York. They're all complaining here. So it kind of feels like Joe was almost doing some polling, some research to see what the next step should be. I think it's actually a very good point, because we, we do see this a lot from the White House when they put out feelers or, or uh, uh, media balloons, if you will, to see how they're received by the public. They do these selective leaks to try to see how, what the response is going to be. I do think this White House in general is so beholden to the radical left that it doesn't even matter where the majority of the American people are, or even, frankly, the majority of Democrat voters. They only really care where the far left is on uh, this issue. And the far left, which controls the Democratic Party, is an open borders contingent of that party. So the Democratic Party, by default, then, is an open borders policy. And, and the problem when you have these different governors and mayors coming out here that are, are saying, oh, we need to take steps to secure the border, is that what's going on now is not only the direct result of Joe Biden's policies, it's the direct result, like you pointed out, of the policies of these governors, of these mayors that made themselves sanctuary cities. I mean, based off of Democrat policies right now in Joe Biden, Democrat America, you can cross the border illegally, commit a crime to enter this country. Then get sent to New York City, get a taxpayer-funded shelter, receive thousands of dollars from the city on a credit card without any ID, then go out and uh, assault a police officer, get arrested for that, get released under cashless bail laws, and then get sent back to your taxpayer-funded shelter. That is the result of Democrat policies in this country. And it's not just the White House. It's the entire apparatus. It's from the smallest office the biggest office in the land where Democrats have control. And that's why we need Republicans to win up and down the ballot. So they can go out there and say Joe Biden needs to secure the border, and he does need to do that. But Democrats in, in these governor's offices and these mayor's offices need to reverse their sanctuary policies and actually re, uh, enforce the law, not have these pro-criminal codes that release people back onto the streets every single time they commit a crime. Tommy, we got about a minute left here, but you bring up uh, New York City. Tell me about this uh, New York appellate court that ruled in the GOP's favor. What was this about? Well, this was a massive victory for us. We have an unprecedented election integrity operation. But basically, the left in New York wanted to let 900,000 non-citizens vote in New York's uh, New York City's elections. So that's unacceptable. We sued, won a massive victory stopping that. We're going to keep fighting to make sure that American elections are decided by American citizens. Full stop. That shouldn't be controversial. But Democrats right now, the left is trying to make it so non-citizens can vote. We're taking legal action to stop that. We're going to keep on fighting. This was a massive victory uh, for us, for the, for the country, for that matter. Uh, we're going to keep fighting this fight and making sure that we have an election system that's fair, transparent, and that American elections are decided by American citizens. Find his work on Twitter at RNC Research. Tommy Pickett, Strategic Communications Director of the RNC. Tommy, we'll talk to you next week. Hey, thanks for having me on. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show. Oh, yeah. What is this music? 
This music tells me it's time to play DMB or late night TV. <laughs> Corey was caller number nine. Corey, how are you? Oh, no. I am fantastic. So, Corey, this is how the game's going to work. I'm going to read you something. It will either be the title of a Dave Matthews Band song or the title of something you would find on Skinamax in 1995 <laughs> at 3 o'clock in the morning. Oh, man. You get three All out right. of five. I'm going to give you the tickets, okay? Perfect. Number one, Crash Into Me, DMB or Late Night TV? Dave Matthews. There All right. Go. One down. we got to get two more. Number two, Emmanuel and Bangkok. <laughs> I'm going to go with Skinamax. Yes, yes. Emmanuel. All right, get this one right. We're going to throw a party. <laughs> DMB or late night TV, the space between. Dave Matthews. Oh, yeah. Well, that that could have gone either that way. That was questionable. Could have gone either way. Corey, congratulations, man. You and a guest are going to go see the Dave Matthews Band in concert up at Ruoff on a Friday night, June 28th. Congratulations, man. That's awesome. Thanks, guys. Much appreciated. You got it. Stay on the line, and Allison will take care of you. How many DMB shows have you been to? Man, I'm not a huge Neither was I, but I always... I I could probably count on both hands. And not much, you know, not many more than seven or eight. Oh, wow. I'm only like three. And I worked in promotions for a while, too. Yeah, yeah. So you were working possibly. Yeah. And again, with DMB shows, it feels like, at least it used to be this way, if he's doing two nights, one night is all the hits, and then one night, it's like a hit medley and all the jam stuff. The jam bands. Yeah. You want to be there for the hits, I think. Ten-minute guitar solos and saxophone (laughs) solos. Right. All that kind of stuff. Next week, we got tickets to give away for Rob Zombie. Cool. I can't wait to play Rob Zombie or Rob Kendall next week. That's going to be fantastic. (laughs) Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock! Wow. That's all I can say. We made it. It's Friday. We've got a little warmer weather. I know it's going to snow later tonight, but let me enjoy this right now. Just a light dusting. Just a little dusting. But man, it feels like this has been a long week. I think the best way to unwind from a very hectic, very chaotic week is by checking in with wheeling, dealing, hair sniffing, kiss stealing Joe Biden. I got hairy legs. But I'm not stupid. The guy takes a revealing picture of his naked friend. So Joe Biden speaking in San Francisco last night at a very private kind of a closed door butt sniffer meeting of all the folks that are hoping Donald Trump does not win. I don't even want to say Biden supporters because I'm not sure that's accurate. It's just folks that hope Donald Trump does not win. Is that a fancy way of saying a fundraiser? Yes. Yeah. And during this fundraiser, Joe Biden called Russian President Vladimir Putin a crazy SOB. So where are we at with this, Nige? Because on one hand, he's right. But on the other hand, do we really need to turn up the temperature a little bit with Russia? Well, I don't think, I mean, the temperature's already been turned up. Remember, we had to walk back Joe Biden's comments about uh, changing uh, the leadership 
in Russia, you know, regime change. At one point, something similar, uh, something akin to that, say, like, Putin needs to be removed, came out of his mouth, and that is not the official policy of the United States, and we, that got back, walked back real quick. So, calling, calling him an SOB doesn't really do anything for me, but I think the, the lead is buried in this story. Because after that, he went on to say that the threat of nuclear conflict um, is not what we need to be worried about, but that the existential threat to humanity remains climate change. Oh, okay. So, crazy SOB with nukes, not greater than climate change. Okay. Let me repeat that. Interesting. Climate change is an existential threat to humanity. He, he, I mean, he he mentioned nuclear uh, uh, nuclear warheads, but he's like, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we got to be worried about the nuclear stuff, but, but, but the existential threat to humanity remains climate change, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is what it sounds like when a uh, a, a president who's polling very poorly is placating his bloodthirsty left-wing progressive climate cultist base. Especially in San Francisco. Absolutely. There's a great episode of South Park where the family moves to San Francisco and everybody drives a hybrid and everybody smells each other's farts. (laughs) That's the type of people that we're talking about here in San Francisco. And and look, you know what? If if other countries aren't doing anything to, to... to curb their carbon footprint, why don't we invade if it's such an existential threat to humanity? You better start looking at invading China and India and every place else that are, you know, they love coal. They right. love they love building coal plants and they could care less about climate change. What's the carbon footprint yeah. report from some of these countries, <laughs> Joe? Now, news of him being called a crazy SOB got back to Putin. Tang. Yes. Got back to Vladimir Putin. He did an interview with a Russian TV station where he was asked his thoughts on being called a crazy SOB by Joe Biden. You asked me who we prefer as the future president of the United States. I said that we will work with any president, but I believe that for us, for Russia, Biden is preferable. We understand what is happening there from a domestic political point of view. And this reaction is absolutely adequate, which means I was right. What I said, I said primarily for our audience and not for the Americans. You asked me what is best for us. I'll say it as I said it then, and I think it now, and I can repeat it. Biden. <laughs> wow. Another ringing endorsement from Pootie Tang for Joe Biden. And he's even said it. He's like, that's really not what's best for Americans. It's what's best for us. Right. <laughs> he's saying it out loud. Wow. Like, remember all of the folks like Adam Schiff and even the Republican butt sniffers like Kenzinger? Well, Putin, he's just wanting Donald Trump to get in there so he can boss him around. Putin is so comfortable right now, he's saying it out loud and then throwing up his hands like Ice Cube and Boys in the Hood. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, we hope Biden wins again because we're getting away with literal murder over here. That's what we're doing, and nobody's holding me accountable, at least nobody that I'm scared of. I'm interested to see what this latest round of quote-unquote sanctions against Russia looks like and what that'll do, because so far those sanctions ain't worked. No. Not at all. Oh, you're going to cut off the oil? Okay, we'll just, um, you know, we'll sell it to uh, India and China, and we'll get rich off them. Okay? And we'll sell it cheaper than you guys do. How about that? Joe Biden, speaking today, had a little press gathering and stated falsely 
again, and he's done this multiple times, that he's cut the United States deficit. We cut the deficit by doing all this by $1 trillion so far. The biggest reduction in history in deficit reduction. I've signed legislation that's going to cut the federal deficit by another $1 trillion over the next decade. So my question is, who are the stupid people that believe he's cut the deficit by a trillion dollars? And his definition of cut is real tricky. And we see this here at the local level, like when Hogsett and Ryan Mears come out. Well, we've cut homicides this year. Well, yeah, but it was at a record high before. <laughs> Just because it's a little lower doesn't mean that you've cut it from the time that you've got in office. It doesn't work that Believe way. Believe me, if Biden and his cronies could add to the deficit and could spend whatever they want, they would. We got a little uh, folksy racism out of Joe Biden. No, come kinda, on. Kind of his thing. Uh, here is Joe Biden on illegal immigration. Let's get it done. And by the way, speak to your agricultural communities and tell them, ask them if they need temporary workers. Speak to your <laughs> agricultural communities and see if they need illegals. Well, Dem- Democrats have been saying that for uh, in Congress. I mean, old Nads, Nadler. Yeah, who's who else is going to pick our uh, orange? He said something similar to what Joe Biden. Yeah, who else is going to pick the oranges? Who else are we going to get to work in the in the uh, in the fields? He might as well just come out yeah. and say, "Well, that cotton's not going to pick itself." <laughs> I mean, good lord, this guy gets away with this all the time. And by the way, how many of these agricultural communities, Joe, are you finding? in New York City, Chicago, L.A., Atlanta, Denver, all the places that are being overran by your problem. Uh, Joe Biden, who, by the way, has spent about 40% of his time in office on vacation. Sounds like me. (laughs) Joe Biden and Big Nige (laughs) complaining that Congress is on vacation and they can't pass through his Ukraine funding. And there's no question, none, none, if the Speaker called for a vote in the House, it would pass easily today. Instead, they went on vacation. I mean, it's just... Instead... Kind of sounds like Ted Knight there at the end. Joe Biden said he had the honor of meeting with... Alexei Navalny's widow. Now, Navalny was the guy that died in the Russian prison. He was a political rival to Vladimir Putin. May or may not have some compromising information. Survived previous assassination attempts via um, allegedly uh, uh, Putin. Yes. Sure. Now, the widow that he's talking about, her name is Yulia. Yulia. Mm -hmm. Joe Biden called her Yolanda. This morning, I had the honor of meeting with Alexei Navalny's wife and daughter. And one thing I made that was made clear to me is that uh, Yolanda is going to she's going <laughs> to continue to the fight he had underway. Who the hell's Yolanda? <laughs> Yulia is her name. That was kind of like you know when Andrea Waters King was there with MLK the Third, and Joe Biden was singing Happy Birthday. Forgot her name and just called her Velvet. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Valvet. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Yolanda. That's incredible. Yulia. Yulia. Yolanda. Yolanda. We got Beer Sample Friday coming up a little bit later on to officially 
kickstart the weekend. Yes, but we if you're looking for a reason to drink tonight, if Friday is not a good enough reason for you, it's National Tootsie Roll Day. Hmm. Now, where are we at with the candy Tootsie Rolls? I know Tony Katz hates them. You're giving it a big thumbs down, right? Big thumbs down. Okay. So maybe this is a baseball thing in me. As a kid, if it wasn't bubble gum, I would take a bunch of little Tootsie Rolls, oh. put them in my jaw, and just, you know, chew on them. Yeah. kind of chew on them like and play baseball. You know, obviously looking for that tobacco like effect that the cool major leaguers used to have, like yeah. Lynn Dykstra, when he would drift <laughs> down the front of his jersey. I'm not mad at a Tootsie Roll. I'm not. Hotbox Pizza puts Tootsie Rolls on all their pizzas. They do. Hotbox pizza's like good. not in the pizza, but in the box. Right, right. It's like a little treat. Yeah. You know, Olive Garden right, right. gives you those little chocolates. Hotbox gives you the Tootsie Rolls. By the way, so, speaking of, just real quick, point of privilege, uh, we're celebrating my mom's uh, 70th birthday tomorrow. Okay. Uh, we missed it earlier in the month because of you know, sickness in the family. Went from week to week to week, and we're having Olive Garden carry out tomorrow. Very classy. Nice. Uh, very classy for the uh, Laskowskis. Nice. Tomorrow. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Emmer and Nigel presents... Is... It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Is this... Anything. All right, let's rock and roll. Gamer, how do we play? Is this anything? I'm going to run some stories by you. You will be the one that breaks down all the information and gives us a verdict. Is the story anything or not? Is this anything? A woman's going viral on TikTok for ranting and raving about how she wants DoorDash to actually deliver to her door. I want to know what happened to DoorDash, because somehow DoorDash quickly became, call you when I'm in the lobby dash, hey, come outside and pick it up dash. I wanted it at my door. That's why I DoorDashed it. I might be in the shower. I can't come downstairs to the lobby in my pajamas. That was the whole point of getting it to my door. Uh, I mean, it's something. It, it tells me that, that people just are not grateful anymore. We live in the greatest country in the world. We, have so, we are at a high level of... Um, expectation when it comes to the finer things right. in life. This lady's complaining because she lives in an apartment and she they they won't deliver straight to her door. You have to come to the lobby to get it. That's what we're complaining about now. Is that what they call first world problems? Can we just be grateful? You got somebody to deliver your your crap to the place where you live. Just be thankful. There are people eating dirt for dinner tonight. Not only in other parts of the world, but in this country. And you're complaining that the, I remember. Uh, yeah, I, look, I remember living in Austin, Texas. My wife and I lived in an apartment on South Congress and having to go to the lobby to get pizza delivery because they wouldn't come to the door. And I was like, OK, yeah, I'll be there in two, two seconds. It's better than actually driving to I mean, the store, getting it yes. and coming back. I just the, the things people complain about, the, the things people worry about. I mean, you have no clue what's going on in the real world at all, much less. You know, complaining about DoorDash not delivering to your door because you might be in the shower. <laughs> Shut up. I don't, I don't know, know who this woman is, but I'm willing to bet 
that she wants everything paid for. She wants free college. She wants free cars. She's got a Bernie Sanders sticker on her car. <laughs> I'm guarantee you that's what this woman is like without knowing anything just, about her. That just kind of like put me in a sour mood for some reason, listening to somebody complain about something like DoorDash not actually delivering to your door if you live in an apartment. Okay, well, maybe this will put you in a better mood. <sighs> is this anything? Yeah. It's been 50 years since the Apollo missions... And finally, the United States of America has landed another spacecraft on the moon. What? Is there anybody in it? No. <laughs> the Odysseus Lunar Lander starting to send data back to Earth. Okay. Here's the communication from NASA when it finally landed on the moon. What we can confirm, without a doubt, is our equipment is on the surface of the moon. Houston, Odysseus has found his new home. Yes, that's something. That puts me in a better mood immediately. Uh, it's it, it tells me... Here's two things you need to know about this story. A, they landed on the dark side of the moon. That's why they were having trouble communicating with it. There was, you know, there was navigation issues. There was, there was communication issues. Uh, did I say one or A? A... I don't know. I was thinking about a Pink Floyd joke, but I froze. <laughs> I don't want to be like Buzz in Home Alone. A, then three. Here's a th- um, 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 it was this was done by a private company. NASA was involved, but it was done by a company called Intuitive Machines. I like it when private companies do things like this instead of the government. It's quite oftentimes the government having to go to these private institutions to get things done. Right. That's what I like to see. So, I mean, if I was listening to somebody today, I forget who it was, that they were, they were saying, eventually what they want to do is put a giant telescope on the dark side of the moon. That means, like, they won't have any interference from... Um, you know, sounds, anything from Earth. It's just, it, it would be able to look so much deeper into space. I hope I'm getting that right. I'm, I'm not sure if I am. I was listening to somebody talk about it today, but that would be incredible. Technology's amazing. And, yeah, anything about a probe awesome. into Uranus yet? <laughs> hey Oh, wow. I walked right into that one. Is this anything? The Philadelphia Street Department had to apologize to the residents of West Philly after they left an excessive amount of salt on the streets following a snowstorm. Here are a couple of people from the community talking about the issue. It is a mess. It is a horrible mess. My car has a salt dust over it. The car wash is always open. It's axialine as we speak. And it was like just a white cloud. So I'm like, um, like, should I come now or should I come later? Because if I come out and it's all this white dust, to be, it defeats the purpose. But it died down. I guess for people with asthma, you know, or, you know, those kind of issues, respiratory <laughs> issues, it will be a problem. Is that anything? You just put me in a bad mood again. <laughs> now I'm back to hating people again. You're complaining about the city doing its job of putting salt down for a snowstorm? There's too much salt in West <laughs> Philly. That's the biggest problem you got in West Philly? <laughs> okay. No, this is this is nothing. It's like either or. It's like you could never... That's why I feel bad sometimes for these, you know, Department of Public Works is because either there's not enough salt, there's too much salt, and they weren't prepared for the roads, there's too many potholes. It's it's just the complaining goes on and 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 on. And I've been a part of it sometimes, I freely admit. But the real complaining should go to their boss, which in many cases is their up to no good mayor. And I know Philly's mayor stinks, and I know Indy's mayor stinks. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Crime, punishment, judges, legal stuff. 
Uh, all right, Fulton County, Georgia. That's where the district attorney, Fanny Willis. Fanny, 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 Fanny Willis. She was Fanny uh, this whole fanny time this until whole like time. a week ago. I'm not yeah. calling her Fanny. It's she's, Fanny. She's going after Trump for um, uh, election interference down there. And she's also accused of hiring her lover, Nathan Wade, to prosecute the case and benefiting off his salary that he was paid, which is over half a million dollars by uh, going on fancy trips with him and things like that. And now they're trying to decide, you know, well, did she have a relationship with Nathan Wade before they decided to go after Trump or after? Because that's a big deal. Right. Like, if they're banging and she decides to appoint her lover to go prosecute Trump, uh, that's a big deal. No, 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 no. That never happened, right? I mean, the excuse for no, 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 not till way after. Nothing, nothing like that ever happened. And, and it's paid- just a hell of a coincidence yeah. that with all this new money he was paid by the state to go after Trump, he was taking oh. Big Fat Fanny, Big Fat Fanny, <laughs> all over the country. You know, whining her, dining her, giving her meals and laptops, and doing all the things that Big Fat Fanny, Big Fat Fanny, wants to do. <laughs> Well, now, a new report from Atlanta Journal-Constitution says cell phone data now has raised big-time questions about when the start of the Willis-Wade relationship began. They actually have technology that could track where you were, how many times you were there, how many text messages you sent, um, how many, like, your specific location. Right. Right? Is this, you see where I'm headed here, folks, before the Trump indictment down there in Fulton County? Specific del- uh, cell phone data has uh, been published about the, the whereabouts of one Mr. Nathan Wade over a series of days and weeks and months. And the paper of record, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, apparently have got copies of where Mr. Wade was. Wade appeared to make at least 35 visits to the neighborhood where Fannie Willis was living before the district attorney hired him to lead Fulton County's election interference prosecution Uh against Donald Trump. I think it's more specific than that. It has specific times. Like, he'd show up there at to her place at like 10.30 at night and leave at 5 o'clock in the morning. Right. But you're telling me there was no sexual relationship before the indictment. They were working on legal <laughs> briefs, if you know <laughs> what I mean. Oh, <laughs> whack, whack, whack. <laughs> so look, she, she, they testified under oath. Here's what this means. I'll just read straight from the paper here. If Willis and Wade were a couple before she hired him, it raises the prospect that she may have uh, violated at least the spirit of anti-nepotism rules through Fulton County County's policy specifically focuses on family members, blah, 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 blah. More importantly, both Willis and Wade have testified under oath that the relationship began in 2022. If defense attorneys now could prove that they lied under oath, it could constitute perjury. Not only would she uh, be charged uh, with perjury, but she'd lose, they both would lose their uh, law licenses for life. Her office could be disqualified, and then Donald Trump might be walking out of Fulton County. Kind of like Vince McMahon used to do that billionaire strut (laughs) coming into the ring before he got into his own legal stuff. So shady, man. So corrupt. I mean, it's all right there in black and white with the cell phone data. You really dig down deep into the weeds of this. I mean, dozens and dozens and dozens of times, late nights, and then she goes ahead and hires him for $650,000 a year, the position he's not even qualified for. And that's why she testified the way she did. She knew she was caught. 
she knew exactly she was caught. So that's why she made an ass of herself when oh, all yeah. the cameras were on her. And it cracks me up that she campaigned on cleaning up the office in Fulton County because her predecessor got in trouble for taxpayers' shenanigans and sleeping with staff. Yeah, yeah sleeping with the help. Oh, I'm going <laughs> to clean up this office. <laughs> she did the, the exact, exact same thing. thing. She did the exact same thing on a much larger scale. Um, wow. Check this out. In New York, a New York City councilman says that Joe Biden should bring back the remain in Mexico policy. I'm sorry, did, what, who? This was not Matt Gates. <laughs> this was not Jim Banks. This was a New York councilman, Robert Holden. Democrat. Democrat. Wow. Reacting to the story of Joe Biden possibly maybe thinking about signing some executive orders to fix his mess at the border. The president has to close or at least... Uh, Get this. Get a rain on the southern border. Let's uh, let's stop the flow. Uh, let's you know. I, again, I I think remaining in Mexico was the best solution. Uh, if you don't qualify for asylum, you're not uh, allowed in the United States. Well, he sees what's happening in New York City. How his city is deteriorating. Um, and if if Mayor Adams won't say it, at least I'm glad somebody's saying it and seeing how this, you know, this, the sanctuary cities are, were, were such bullcrap and, and virtue signaling. And, and this was before they knew that there were going to be hundreds of thousands of migrants coming to actual sanctuary cities. Hey, you said it was a sanctuary city. Here we are. Where's my free credit cards and free hotels and free food? And these cities like Chicago and New York City and Denver are imploding right now. They never thought anybody would call their bluff. Right. They thought they could virtue signal and say, we're sanctuary cities. We're not like those ghastly people down in Texas. <laughs> Ew, how gross. We're a sanctuary city. We have Grey Poupon on our sandwiches here. <laughs> And then they got cold on their bluff, and you got Pritzker going, whoa, 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 we didn't ask for this. Well, yeah, you did. When you said you were a sanctuary city or sanctuary state, you absolutely did. Even Van Jones of CNN says that Biden's got to do something right now because Democrats are turning on him. Here's reality. Everybody has a number uh, that is too big uh, before they say something's got to be done. At some point, the number's too big, even for Democrats. So the president is going to take some action. Reality is the courts might strike it down. Also, to your point, he's floating these trial balloons to kind of see what the reaction is. Nine nine million since uh, since Biden took office. Nine million. How what how numbers you know how big's the number for you? Right? Right. It all depends on what your number is. And I'm glad he said that end part, because we brought that up with Tommy Piggott earlier in the show when he called in from the RNC. This is Biden kind of dipping his toe in the water, taking the temperature of the party, taking the temperature of some of the big talking heads of the Democrats, seeing where they're at. Well, do you want me to do something about the border, or do you want more folks to come in and we'll try to get them ballots? What, what do you want me to do here? <laughs> I don't know. Go to Boston to the rec center in the uh, in the bad area of town where uh, underprivileged kids have now been locked out because they can't go practice baseball or swim because there's uh, uh, you know hundreds of illegal immigrants staying there. 
When is the Denver hospital going to get the bailout? Because all of these illegals are going in there getting procedures that they can't pay for. And the hospital saying, hey, we got to make some money here somehow. And the folks that have insurance that are here legally that have money, they're on the waiting list because we're embedded with all these folks illegally coming into Sanctuary City. Today is also National Banana Bread Day. Ooh. So, are you a banana bread guy? Uh, if it doesn't have nuts in it. Uh, my grandma <laughs> used to make it. She, I, I just don't like the nuts. I don't like the crunch in it. Yeah. If it doesn't have nuts, yeah. I like a good loaf of banana bread. Who doesn't? It's got to be like fresh. Warm. If it's been sitting around for a little bit, then I'm out. Um, butter on it, too. Ever heard of that? Butter on banana bread? Yes. Interesting. Yes. I've been more of like a marmalade kind of jam person. No, no, butter. Really? Allison, where are we at here? Number one, are you a banana bread person? And number two, butter or another spread? You know, funny enough, Tony Katz's mother made uh, me and Matt Bear banana bread once. It was amazing. And I agree. Ooh. I think uh, butter is the way to go. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thinking back, if you remember the summer of love, which was also the summer of COVID, Banana bread was a thing. What? People that were bored out of their minds were just making banana bread and putting it on social media. You don't remember that? Um, I remember just all sorts of bread. Like, if you had a bread maker, people were making their homemade loaves of bread. I didn't remember it being banana bread specifically. I saw but, a ton yeah. of banana bread. If they weren't hoarding toilet paper, they were making <laughs> banana bread. They were watching Tiger King and booze companies. You know that weren't allowed to be open. We're making sanitizer instead of instead of booze. Distilleries. Yeah. Yeah. You went even went, you went down to get some of that somewhere to get some of that stuff, didn't you? Down in Bloomington, just had to get out of the damn house. Yeah. Made a roadie down to B Town. Got some uh, sanitizer. It smelled and, like gin. <laughs> it did. You kind of huff that stuff, man, and <laughs> gives you a little little kick. Rub your hands pretty good, wash them, <laughs> smell them. Lick them. It's like that smelling salt stuff that athletes do before ball games. Uh, that summer was wild, man. The spring and the summer of COVID. And if I remember correctly, we had a Hammer and Nigel Records song about all the things that took place that year, and it was inspired by Brian Adams. <laughs> Got my first real face mask. <laughs> Bought it at my local Walgreens. Did a lot of drinking cause. Was the summer of COVID-19. <laughs> Come on, let's go. They took all my kids out of school. E-learning sucks butt cheeks. <laughs> Listening to Flip Flop and Fauci. <laughs> telling me to wait another two weeks. <laughs> let's go. Standing six feet apart. This summer seemed to last forever. And then I lit a fart. I was bored and it was now or never. This is the worst year of my life. There it is. Unbelievable. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Yeah, what up? This is Dr. Dre. The party's going on. <laughs> Thank God it's Friday. The Hammer and Nigel Show. <laughs> Here's a man... 
cuddling on his couch with his giant pet pig. Rosie O'Donnell? <laughs> I'm not done. Sorry. Uh, then a second pig comes in and wants to get on the couch, too. Joy Behar. <laughs> wow. And then immediately falls asleep on the man's lap, and this is where it gets good. A third pig that gets up on the couch and causes absolute chaos. All right, Holly, let's do this quietly. Go ahead let's do it quietly. That's all. I'm Hi, Millie. All right, Millie. We got it. You're okay. You're okay. <laughs> Rip my shirt. <laughs> All right, Millie. We hear you. That's what it sounds like when three pigs get on a couch with their owner. And we call it the view. <laughs> <laughs> like, are pigs a household pet where they could just come in the I, house and I, lay with you? Like, I, do people do that? I sat and watched this. It's much that clip was much longer. I mean, I sat for three minutes and for some reason on Instagram watched a man lay on a couch one pig gets up there he's kind of cuddling with it a second pig gets up there falls asleep on its lap and a third pig gets up there and just causes like i said what like you just heard complete chaos and i sat there and and watched the whole thing <laughs> i am i am dumber i am uh for but having watched f- four minutes of that did you hear how happy the pigs were though they were happy to be cuddling no the third pig ruined it it was chaos. Well, that's had- usually the case. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> one too many pigs. Two's company, three's a crowd. <laughs> now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes. Yeah. Allison, get ready to play this again. Close your eyes and picture Chris Christie on his honeymoon. <laughs> All right, Holly, let's do this quietly. <laughs> okay, that's enough of that. <laughs> Um, do you eat? Okay, speaking of pigs, have you ever tried like the? Uh, <laughs> Thank you. The uh, I was down a pound this week. <laughs> Congratulations. Have you ever tried like the the? I don't know what they call it. Like the um, the Impossible Whopper. Oh, the, King, like, like the, the meatless? meatless Whopper. Yeah. Have you tried like the, the no. not meat, the Beyond Meat? There's a company called Beyond Meat. Look at just... me. Do I look like I turned down meat, <laughs> Nigel? But, but this there's there's a company called Beyond. Meat. Have you ever tried anything like that, Allison? Are you a meatless? Oh, yeah. Really? I've tried it. Yeah, it's pretty. It's it's okay. Yeah. So, Beyond Meat is a company. They just revamped uh, their meatless burgers. They switched to avocado oil after using canola and coconut oils in its previous iterations. All because of under the guise of it's it's more healthy, more protein, less sodium. Here's the real story. They're doing this because nobody wants their product. Nobody wants to eat fake meat. Right. I'm sorry. Okay. If you have the option of eating real meat or fake meat, why would you choose the fake? In the first nine months of last year, the company Beyond Meat, their revenue dropped 34%, and they had to fire almost 20% of its workforce last year. Nobody wants your fake meat. Sorry. I can't comment on it to the extent that I <laughs> Can know Can we what get a t-shirt like. with that at the merch store? <laughs> Nobody wants your fake meat. Really? Well, we have time. Pimp the merch store. Store.hammerandnigel.com. Get your t-shirts and your hats and your beer sample Friday pint glasses. It's all right there. Store.hammerandnigel.com. Hammer and Nigel. Do you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! Uh, update on the Dorsey case. He 
was the one that shot and killed Officer Brienne Leith uh, back in 2020 on a domestic violence call, unloaded a gun through the door and hit her in the head. Uh, the jury deliberated for 10, <laughs> 10 hours yesterday. Uh, they are putting some work into this, which I'd like to see. They adjourned approximately 2.30 in the morning. So basically, they have to decide if they're going to throw the book at him or if he's insane. And if he's insane or mentally ill or whatever the term they want to use, there's a chance it might be a lighter sentence. He's going to get something. It's not like this guy's going to get off scot-free. But will it be first-degree murder with life in prison without parole because the death penalty has been taken off the table? Or will it be some sort of manslaughter charge because he's been deemed mentally unfit or insane, whatever you want to say. That's what we're dealing with here. So this jury, who adjourned at 2.30 a.m. early this morning, went back at around 1 p.m. today, and the defense and the prosecution, they were each given 20 minutes to refresh the jury. Like, closing statements part two, if you will. They each got 20 minutes, and then the jury went back, and they've been in deliberations ever since. So if we get any sort of information, if the journey comes to a decision, we'll bring that to you. If it happens when we're off the air, uh, the awesome folks in the WIBC newsroom have you covered. I can't remember, Nigel, are you an ATT subscriber? Did you get affected yesterday? No, yeah, long time with AT&T, but I was not affected by that uh, nationwide outage. I want to say nationwide, not everybody was affected, but um, pockets of big cities were, including Indianapolis. I think Indianapolis was like like number five on the list of cities that were affected. Right. Um, in terms of how many uh, people were uh, shut out of their account, or not shut out, but their phones didn't work. Right. They were affected in yeah. some way, whether they couldn't use their phone or... So it's like an SOS message or something. Yeah. Some folks had Wi-Fi issues. Other folks, and I don't know if this is connected or not, we haven't really got any resolution on this, had banking issues. I did. I did have banking issues yesterday. Yeah, my bank, uh, I couldn't get into my account on my app. I didn't. I didn't try online. I don't think you can get it online either. But I couldn't. I couldn't get it on my app, and that was kind of scary. And look, the prospect of cell phones going out, and getting hacked by the Chicoms is scary. That was one of the conspiracy theories out there. Um, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. I don't think that's what this was. But just think of how dependent we are on our cell phones. I don't have a landline in my house anymore. What happens if, uh, I mean, Chris Ray, the director of the FBI, what did he sit there and tell that, uh, you know, the congressional committee a couple of weeks ago? It's a big deal that Chinese, uh, China's trying to hack into our infrastructure um, and not only military kind of government stuff, like individual civilians as well. And what was cute was when you had people using Chinese spyware TikTok, making videos complaining, I hope the Chinese aren't spying on us. I hope this is not something bigger as to why my phone's not working. Uh, AT&T, though, they're trying to put the kibosh on some of these conspiracy theories. They're basically just saying that it was human error and that they got crappy software and they fixed the glitch. We fixed the glitch. They acknowledged that the widespread network outage across the United States yesterday was, in essence, a software situation. Some it, sort of some update yes. of the software? 
Right. Yeah. There's yeah. no indication that the outage is a result of a cyber attack or malicious activity. But you mentioned it earlier. Let's just say that it was. Is AT&T going to come out there and go, damn, the Chinese are good. <laughs> They're real good. They got us. I don't know what to tell you. They got us. They're not going to say that. Well, if they did, I'm so cynical. I'd be. I'd look the other way. I'd go, yeah, right, whatever. It's like a coding issue. <laughs> you got somebody that just got out of uh, computer school. Learn to code. Yeah, work in there and push the wrong button. Well, in honor of uh, AT&T acknowledging that this network outage may have just been a little glitch on their behalf, nothing too outrageous, here's a little Hammer and Nigel Records tribute, and if you appreciate Led Zeppelin, I think you'll like this. The person you are calling cannot accept calls at this time. We're sorry for any inconvenience this may cause. Communication breakdown, (laughs) AT&T. They're not all tens, yeah. Nige. <laughs> They're not all tens. AT&T! Allison, it's Friday. Let's do some booze news. You set them up and I'll knock them back, Lloyd. One by one. We are going to read booze news because it's really fun. Oh, it's in your lips. It's so good. It's what we said. Booze news, booze news. Deal. So a 42-year-old man in Canada was arrested when someone called the police to say he was causing a disturbance in a restaurant. He was drunk, he refused to leave, so the police officers wrote him up. And then they drove him home. But the man was still upset, and shortly afterwards... He drove himself to the police station, <laughs> drunk, demanded to talk with the supervisor about the previous arrest, and again, hammered drunk, oh they made gosh. him take a breathalyzer, which he failed, so they arrested him again, this time for DUI, and they took his license away. Much more serious charge this time. So he's getting drunk and disorderly at this restaurant, he won't leave. The cops, boy, the cops in Canada are nice. They gave him a ride home. Right. After refusing to leave the restaurant because people were complaining he was too drunk, and he's like, damn it, screw this. I'm going to hop in my car and drive to the police station and give them a piece of my mind. I tell you what, man, uh, that, that that booze can have a strange effect on people. How about Don't this? Don't I know it? How about this story here? We got more booze news here, and we're gonna learn something here. So get your pens out, get your paper, take some notes. We're gonna learn something here. Your ability to describe how drunk your friends are is about to become more robust. A okay. study found that the English language has 546 different words for being drunk. 546. Now, the classics, I think we all know, hammered, wasted, trashed, tipsy. Smashed. Loaded. Um, So we've heard those things. On a more formal level, there's inebriated, things like that. But there are some British terms that maybe the American audience doesn't know. Really? These were British terms to describe okay. somebody 
intoxicated that you can use to describe your friends? Blattered? <laughs> Mullard? Mullard? Mullard! That's what happened to Donald Trump with the Mueller report. That's what he tells all his buddies. Yeah, I just got mullered. Pickled, cabbaged, sozzled, fuddled, pleathered, corned, skunked, squiffed. These are all British stonkered. British terms? Yes. Trousered, <laughs> beery, belickered, bingoed, jeremied, pacified, <laughs> schnookered, crapulous, and slab happy. Oh, I had 15 beers last night. I was so Jeremy'd. <laughs> Sounds ridiculous. Those British terms, I've never heard of any of those. I, I think like the most common term for being drunk uh, over in the UK is the, the P word, P-I-S-S-E-D. Yes. I don't know if I'm allowed to spell it or say it or not. Well, you just spelled it, well, so you're good. Okay. I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's odd. I haven't heard a lot of these, but... Let's see what that list would sound like if read by AI Joe Biden and and AI Donald Trump. Blattered, mullered, pickled, cabbage, sozzled, fuddled, pillowed, corn, skunk, squiffed, stonkered, trousered, beery, bellicord. Bingo, Jeremy, pifflicated, snookered, crackless, and slap happy. That's what it would sound like. If the presidential front runners were describing these new terms that we've all learned here today. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Are you really okay with me? Are you okay? Everything's going to be okay. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm pretty f***ing far from okay. Are you okay with this? On the Hammer and Nigel. Oh, yeah! So, Hammer, we have a 20-year-old woman paying tribute to her grandparents. Their names were Harvey and Charlotte. Okay. She named her newborn daughter Harlot. <laughs> I don't think she was familiar with the term harlot. <laughs> it's unclear if the name will be changed. Harlot, of course, means a person who has sex with someone in exchange for money. Correct. Are you okay with this? Harlot? Yes, I think I am, because I've heard worse names, right? Nigel. I've heard Fanny. <laughs> I've heard Fanny. Um, I get what she was trying to do. But you can't, you can't call her Harlot. If you want to name her that, fine. What's the middle name? That's what she's going to go by. If like she's Harlot Anne, she's Anne moving forward. If you want to have the name to honor your grandparents, that's fine. But I got to be honest with you, man. I miss these types of terms. Like, I don't think people get called harlot enough. I wish people would get called floozies more often. Harlot and floozies are two terms that I think absolutely need to make their way back into pop culture vernacular. Now, to be fair, she spells it H-A-R-L-O-T-T-E, and the textbook definition is H-R. I'm sorry, H-A-R-L-O-T. So there's an extra T and an E. But when you say name. her name, yes. hi, this is my daughter, Harlot, <laughs> might as well just cue up Reba McIntyre's fancy and take her to the back room. <laughs> nice reference. Thank you. People on social media, they're going nuts for Pizza Hut's hold music right now. <laughs> the music they play when they put you on hold. Yes, you heard me correctly. There's a song where a guy sings about their chicken wings 
and gets way too into it. Some girl asked them to put her back on hold just to hear it again. I heard one of the best songs I've ever heard ever. It was like some guy singing about wings. Would it be weird if I asked you guys to put me on hold so I can hear it? the hold are, music are, are you okay with this this person on social media asking to be put on hold just to hear the hold music from pizza hut okay so there are two different things here right am i okay with the woman wanting to be on hold no am i okay with this song being their hold music hell yeah i am <laughs> it's better than any sort of muzak or instrumental bullcrap or the voiceover guy that they hire. Hi, all of our team members are busy right now. Like, you don't want to hear that crap. I'd rather have this guy singing about how awesome their wings are. Now, I don't know if it sounds like him or not. There's a lot of people on social media saying that it sounds like Craig Robinson from The Office. He was also in Hot Tub Time Machine, the black guy. Yeah. He does commercials for Pizza Hut. he's spokesman. He's also like a DJ and stuff, like travels around and plays music and stuff. People think that may be him. I don't know about that, but if I'm going to have to be on hold, I'd rather listen to that than generic dorky voiceover guy, but I'm not going to volunteer to be put on hold. Uh, Allison, can I have some mood music, please? Uh, oh yeah, Facts of Life, 80s hit. Yeah, uh, sitcom from like um, I don't know, uh, early 80s to late 80s. Right, I believe the first season. A lot of people don't know this. Molly Ringwald was a cast member in the very first season, and then they retooled a little bit, and she didn't make the cut. Well, it was kind of a spinoff of Different Strokes. The housekeeper from Different Strokes, uh, it was. Uh, Mrs. Garrett. Right. Right? Girls, girls, girls. (laughs) So, okay, here's why we're talking about the facts of life. That's a damn good Mrs. Garrett. I got nothing out of it from any one of you. I I haven't seen facts of life since I was a kid. I, I, I. No! (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'll take your word for it because that did make me laugh. (laughs) Drew Barrymore celebrated her 49th birthday on our show yesterday and got a surprise reunion from the stars of Facts of Life. Lisa uh, Welchel, who played Blair. Blair was always hot. She was the hot blonde. She right? still got it. She was on really? like Survivor a number of years ago. And, you know, really? older woman, man, she still got it. And then uh, Joe, played by Nancy McKeon. And then uh, Natalie, Mindy Cohn, uh, reunited to wish her a happy birthday. And Drew was gushing and told them how much that the show meant to her when she was growing up. Oh, my God. It's Blair, Natalie, and Joe. I cannot. 
I saw myself with you guys because you were raising yourselves, you were raising each other, and it made more sense to the life I was living than any other environment because it was the day and age of television. What I was learning was to be a strong, independent female who could take care of themselves and value female friendship and know that there was someone there who was watching out for them, Mrs. Garrett. That was my life. I wanted so badly to be with you guys and you gave me a blueprint that made my life feel better to me in every sense of the word. Are you okay with the adulation uh, coming from Drew Barrymore to the stars of Facts of Life? No, no, no tootie, no need. How are you going to sit there and tell me Hell you've got yeah. a Facts of Life reunion and Tootie's not involved? No, 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 Kim, no, no, Kim no. Fields, I believe, is her real name? Correct. Yeah. See, there you go. This will not stand. I'm not a huge <laughs> Drew Barrymore fan anyway, but don't look me in the eye and say, we've got the cast of Facts of Life here and Tootie is sitting at home. No, 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 no. Now, one more time, because I really feel like I didn't get appreciated the first time. I want to give you my Mrs. Garrett impression. Here's what I need, Nige. I want you to play the role of Joe. I want you in a very deep voice, because Joe had a deep voice, ask me, Mrs. Garrett, if you can go to a party where there's drinking. Mrs. Garrett, can I go to a party where there's going to be a bunch of boys and booze and boobs? No! (laughs) And scene. Thank you. Nigel show. My name is Nigel. That's Hammer over there. Hammer, I am seeing drips and drabs in terms of the economy, like in headlines, like positive headlines, like, you know, the economy is growing faster than expected, uh, jobless claims plunging, stock Joe market. Joe Biden earlier today said he cut the deficit. Sure, yeah. Hot right. damn. Right. How about that? But somebody tell me, okay, <laughs> I'm thinking fine, the stock market's hitting me records, fine, but I'm still paying $20 for a pound and a half of lunch meat at the grocery. I'm still paying 100 bucks to fill up my gas tank. And for this, we go to one of the best friend of the show, Breitbart Finance, and economics editor, John Carney. John, uh, did any of what I said make sense? I mean, I've got the Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen saying, you know, Americans are doing well, they just don't know it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I love that line that that we all, uh, Paul Krugman of the New York Times just put out something that said, basically, you've all just imagined inflation. (laughs) Whatever. None of it's really true. We're just, you know, we're just all having some, you know, we woke up with like a bad feeling in our right. stomach. Of, of course, it's not true. What, so what is happening? Joe Biden's nonsense about cutting the budget deficit. He cut the budget deficit by not spending the, you know, the $1.2 trillion he spent when he first came into office. He hasn't done anything to actually cut the budget deficit. We're running a kind of budget deficit that you would normally run during a war, during World War II, frankly. Like wow. Not even just a small war. We are running a huge budget deficit. Over the last four years, I did a little map on this. The last four years, the budget deficit has averaged 9.3% of GDP. That's a lot. Like, you know, so. Sounds like a lot. Are, <laughs> yes. So <laughs> this is not a normal situation. Yes, the economy is growing fast. Um, and I don't think people should try to claim that it's not. Uh, unemployment is very low. The We are adding jobs at a very fast pace. 
a big part of this is that we are pumping a lot of money into the economy. And that's one of the reasons that inflation, while it has come down a lot, has sort of stalled out. It's not coming. It's not coming down anymore. And Fed officials have lately been telling us that the risk is that inflation goes up again. Mm. John, these jobs that you bring up, we've been doing a deep dive into these jobs reports that get released, you know, every month. And you're right. You're not wrong. There are uh, good job reports. More jobs are being created. Some are being brought back. But the type of job is interesting to me because it still feels like there's a lot of people taking secondary jobs, side hustles, if you will. The gig economy. Because they can't make it right now with their regular 40-hour 9-to-5. There's definitely a lot of people who are needing, because inflation has run so high, needing to find extra sources of income. That's definitely one of the sources of job growth. The other one is, frankly, the government hiring a lot of people. Last yep. year in particular, this wasn't such a big factor in this last January report, but if you look at last year, an enormous amount of these jobs are people being hired into government. And that's actually particularly worrying from an inflation perspective because the government people aren't producing anything that's being sold on the market. So, you know, when 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 somebody gets hired into a private business, they're producing things that actually creating supply that holds down inflation. They're getting paid, of course, and they're so they're consuming, but their supply and their consumption tend to balance. That's very different with government workers. They're actually not creating any supply that enters the marketplace, but they are consumers of market goods. So they're actually, the government jobs are more inflationary Hmm. than normal jobs are. Breitbart Finance and Economics Editor John Carney with us here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. Okay, let's go back to what I was talking about at the beginning then. The the price of lunch meat is, you know, for a pound and a half of turkey is like 20 bucks right now. It used to cost half that not too long ago. There's something called a producer price inflation. Um, From what I understand, that's a scorcher of a number right now. So, yeah, okay, the economy looks good, the stock market is great, but I'm still paying a lot at the grocery store, am I not? Yeah, that's right. Look, food inflation came roaring back recently. That was one of the things that people said was going to settle down. Mm. Uh, And it's not. One of the reasons, again, is because the government's pumping too much money into the economy. That we, when you look at food inflation, particularly over the last, like, sure, people will say, well, it's not so bad recently over the last six months. It got very bad again in January. But, you know, the real way to look at food inflation is how much extra are we paying today than we were a few years ago? For a lot of years, food inflation was very low and almost non-existent, meaning you knew more or less what your food budget was going to be. It didn't change a lot from 2011 to 2015 to 2019. But if you look at what you needed to spend to feed your family in 2019 and compare it to what you need to spend in 2024, it's mind-blowing. The prices are up 23 24 25%. Wow. I mean, if you look at some categories, it's even worse than that. And so, and obviously, people's wages haven't kept up with, the, you know, that kind of increase. So, the, the, you know, the necessities, the things that you actually don't have that much flexibility on are really going up in price. 
So, John, it was a couple weeks ago that Joe Biden had a little impromptu meeting with the press, and he basically blamed the grocery stores for jacking up the rates. Uh, you know, shrinkflation. Right, yeah. saying it's the grocery store's fault that you're paying more for the lunch meat and the eggs and the cereal and all the things you go to the store for. Was he right? I love this idea that they come up with, that there was suddenly this explosion of greed. You know, that somehow, <laughs> yeah. we, the, the, you know, businesses weren't greedy before. They were all just, you know, when Donald Trump was president, I guess that was the great age of grocery generosity. <laughs> and you know, they, they, just, they were just all nice. Biden got elected and somehow they got really greedy and jacked up the prices. Of course, that's a ridiculous point. Grocery stores... Uh, actually compete really heavily for with each other. They have very low margins. They are, you know, they're fighting tooth and nail. This is why you get, you know, the flyers that tell you which grocery stores has the, have the bargains for where to go, right? The, the, you have Walmart competing with Kroger's and Albertsons and, you know, all of these, and Target, these places are, you know, deeply competitive. They are not able to raise the prices unless the the inflationary environment, meaning demand is exceeding supply. That's what's happening right now. We have an inflationary environment. It has nothing to do with greed. This shrinkflation thing, if you don't mind, I'd like to just yeah. address this. They they act as if this is some sort of giant, like, you know, civil rights violation uh, <laughs> to shrink the amount of product in a package. So I'll tell you, a business that has two choices. It can either, when it, when it's when its costs go up, it can be either try to pass that higher cost on in form of a higher price to its customers, or it could also shrink the amount of goods in the package and sell it for the same price. So, you, particularly if you're going to a vending machine and it's going to charge you a buck for something, yeah. they don't want to change the price on that. What they'd like to do is actually just put a little less product. And I'm here to tell you that a lot of those packaged goods you're buying Probably you'll be better off if the if the amount of product inside <laughs> yeah. of them is a little bit less. Two <laughs> Pringles isn't going to hurt right. any of us. <laughs> by the way, before we let you go here, don't let me forget to mention the Breitbart Business Digest newsletter. Okay, but I have one more question for you here, uh, John Carney from Breitbart. Uh, wages outpacing inflation. Is that true? Because I feel like I, I've heard that a lot coming from the government, coming from the Treasury Secretary. Hey, don't worry about it. Your wages, you know, inflation's high, but your wages are outpacing inflation. Is that accurate? It's accurate only for the last couple months. So, in other words, you know, it's like saying that, you know, Oh, you're, you know, you're, you're doing better now, but you're only doing better now after you got, like, whacked in the head with a frying pan. Okay? Like, this is, like, I stopped hitting you with the frying pan. Aren't you happy? No, I'm not happy. Yep. Right? Like, you, you, you hit me for two years, and now, now you stopped. I should be happy about it. No, it's not true. Actually, one of the things we do at Breitbart Business Digest every day, it's free, everybody should subscribe, uh, is we, we go through all of the kind of lies that the Biden administration turns out and this is one of them oh you're doing better your wages are ahead sure we're ahead recently but you know on any realistic term of time everybody's behind because of inflation where can people sign up for the uh, breitbart business digest that you along with your um, editor-in-chief alex marlowe co-author 
Right. So if you go up to, uh, you know, our website, Breitbart.com, and you'll find a little place that says newsletters and click on that. And uh, and the newsletter, uh, you can sign up. There's a whole bunch of newsletters. Uh, I'm going to tell you they're all really great. Uh, but particularly <laughs> if you like our conversation right here, yes. subscribe to the Breitbart Business Digest. You're the best. Have a great weekend. That's John Carney, Breitbart Finance and Economics Editor. Have a good one, John. Thank you. You too. Right now, it is 50 degrees at the American Standard Heating Weather Center, and it's time to start the weekend. It is time to have a little fun. It is time for Beer Sample Friday. Right now, Amber and Nigel present Beer Sample Fry. I got some beers. Let's drink them, huh? Beers on sale, people. Come down, get you some. Brought to you by our friends at Thompson Furniture and Mattress in Columbus. I have the libations again this week. Hammer, we kind of glossed over something yesterday. We talked about it. We didn't really celebrate it. Uh, I believe yesterday was National Margarita Day. It was. And it doesn't, but Beer Sample. Friday doesn't always have to be beer. It could be, look, if you're a distillery, you want us to try your whiskey. If you're a bartender or want to bring us whatever, you can drop it off. I went to the liquor store and saw this and thought, man, we didn't celebrate National Margarita Day yesterday. So I'm going to throw you this. I'm going to try this again. (laughs) (laughs) Allison Allison just covered her face. (laughs) She just ducked and covered. Allison, I have one of these for you, too. So stand up and get ready, because I'm going to throw one of these at you, too. So I'm going to throw this can at you. And this is is because we missed beer sample uh, margarita. Hey, there we go. There we go. Now, uh, here you go, Allison. Okay. I see what we got here. Oh, yeah, finally. Two for two there. Look at this guy. He just had to warm up in the bullpen a little bit. Glad I did that over the board. Yeah, no kidding. Right over the soundboard. <laughs> uh, so, Hammer, go ahead and tell everybody what we have. This is Cantina Especial. Uh, watermelon margarita tequila soda. Margarita in a can, baby. Oh, that sounds like the weekend. I'll tell you what. Usually I like margarita on the rocks with salt. I'll also take it uh, in the can. I'll just take it right here. <laughs> Cheers, everybody. Here you go. Cheers. Boy, that's good. Mm. That is, is it, real it, good. Is that quite the uh, delicious libation right there? That makes me want to sit outside, let the sun, you know, hit my body, just oh, relax a little Lord. bit. Does it involve nudity with you? Maybe. Oh. I was just going to say be by the pool. but Maybe I'm wearing a Borat-style, you oh, know, stop. mankini. I don't oh, know. Please. Uh, I have an assignment for you over the weekend, Hammer, because I uh, did not know. We were talking about this during the break. You have never seen the movie Beer Fest. I have not. Uh, done by the same guys that did Super Troopers. It's the okay. same group of guys. And of course you've seen Super yes, Troopers, yes. right? Uh, your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to watch Beer Fest this weekend. It is hilarious. It's I don't know. How, it's got to be at least 15 years old. It came out in the mid-2000s. I can find that on streaming somewhere, I think right? probably, yes. Okay. I can't believe you've never seen that. All right. So I will watch that if in return... You watch the selection I have for you. We talked about this earlier in the week with Adam Sandler. You watch oh. That's My Boy. Oh, uh, with Adam Sandberg and Sandler? Yes. Yes. Okay. Right? Yes. You watch that film. I'll watch Beer Fest. Okay. We'll come back on Monday and compare notes. Let's do it. And we invite everybody listening right now 
to compare notes as well. Those are your assignments. Beer Fest, that's my boy. Come back on Monday. Great idea. And we'll compare notes. We've got another hour to go. Do not go anywhere. We're going to get you up to date on the Dorsey trial. That is still going on. Still deliberating. The latest from the courtroom. We'll check in with your movers and shakers of the United States government. (sighs) Sends a cold chill up my arm. And we're going to have fun, man. Beer Sample Friday. The weekend is underway. Let's go. Cheers. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Hammer and Nigel Show. We have a verdict in the uh, Elias Dorsey trial for shooting and killing IMPD officer Breanne Leith. My name is Nigel Jason Hammer right over there. Also joining us live in studio, John Herrick, WIBC News Director. John, what do we know? Well, uh, Elias Dorsey was found guilty but mentally ill on all of the counts facing him today. Uh, And this was after the jury had basically deliberated for a very, very long time. If you remember, this trial's been going on since last week. Uh, They deliberated into the morning at about two this morning they they were at an impasse they sent the judge mark stoner a note saying they needed some more clarification on things needed more time to deliberate they came back into session again today and then deliberated some more and they decided to find him uh not guilty but mentally ill uh on all counts uh in this case not uh, guilty no, no, no. No, sorry, no, sorry, guilty. my bad. Guilty, but guilty. Okay. Ill on all counts. Sorry, which is a lot of the, thoughts rambling through my head right now. Which is what the prosecution wanted. They yes, wanted guilty yes, they verdicts, but mentally ill. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Now we don't know what this means in terms of sentencing. That's yes. going to come at a later time. But what we do know, John, and you brought this up, they deliberated for ten hours, ten plus mm-hmm. hours yesterday, and then came back today. And I don't know if I've seen this. And now admit, I'm not in a lot of courtrooms, but they had like a refresher course of the closing arguments. The prosecution and the defense each were given around 20 minutes to remind the jury of why they were there. And they deliberated for about another four hours before minutes ago reading this verdict. And again, I believe there were six different counts here, and all of them are the same, guilty but mentally ill. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing that they had to sort through was the fact that, okay, Elias Dorsey's defense team enters the insanity defense, giving the jury the option of finding him not responsible due to insanity or guilty but mentally ill, in addition, of course, to straight verdicts of guilty or not guilty. So I think they probably needed clarification on what would be best for them. And again, they had to and they had a lot to digest. Seven days of testimony, several family members, friends, two ex-girlfriends even testified uh, on Dorsey's behalf and why he could behave irrationally. So I think they were just trying to make the best uh, informed decision but yeah you're right hammer that's another thing to clarify we don't know when sentencing is going to be but that's going to come uh, at a later date angela ganote fox 59 reporting elias dorsey found guilty but mentally ill on six charges but he was not found guilty of the most serious charge of murder he was found guilty of the lesser included charge of reckless homicide so it wasn't murder one 
that he was charged guilty with. Is that right? Yeah, I don't. It wasn't murder one, and I think that's what his defense team was trying to argue that he didn't know exactly uh, what he was doing. Um, so that that's where the, I think they I think they decided to try to go down to a lesser charge to find that. But mm. that that was that was what his defense team I think was trying to argue that. He did shoot her, but he wasn't of sound mind and body when he did it. And uh, he had seven psychiatrists testify, most saying that Dorsey was suffering from a psychotic incident at the time of the shooting um, in saying that he had psychotic beliefs based on paranoia and delusion and all that. And I think that was what was confusing to the jury as to where they could weigh in. I mean, listen, you might not like what they were asked to do but the defense team for Dorsey they threw everything but the kitchen sink out there to try to get this guy the best verdict they possibly could they flew in experts from the Ivy mm-hmm. League they had people examine his brain and even if he got hit by a pitch in the head in Little League mm-hmm. they were going to use that as some sort of example to say this guy is mentally ill and this is why you should not charge him with the most severe penalties of all. Yeah, and I think they also tried to drum up sympathy, too, because they argued yeah. in part that he had was going through depression, the breakup with his girlfriend of seven years, the COVID pandemic. Of course, you got to remember this happened in April of 2020, and they were there to kind of do a welfare check, and they were trying to see if, if he was okay when all this went down. You know, that's the thing. Man, it was th- this happened right in the middle. I mean, right at the beginning, right at, right at the beginning of the chaos of COVID-19. Mm-hmm. April? And to have this happen, uh, you know, the killing of an IMPD officer was just, it, it was, it, I mean, just piling on at that point. And, and I remember just thinking, man, could it get any worse? You know, do you guys, I mean, remember the feeling yes. of, yeah. of, you know, this, this building had cleared out except for us. Right. And it was a scary time and there was, you know, stay at home laws and mandates. And then we have the the death of uh, officer leith who honestly didn't get the proper farewell oh, yeah. that most that officers point. get because yeah. of the restrictions mm-hmm. of covid i remember there was uh the indianapolis motor speedway got involved and they allowed everything to kind of happen there everybody was separated distant i mean that's what was going on during covid and i'm just wondering what's going through the mind of the family members because john you know this you've been covering the story mm-hmm. that pack that courtroom was packed. Yes. There was a lot of family, a lot of friends, a lot of members of the law enforcement community that were in that courtroom. And again, they're probably dealing with a ton of different emotions right now, but I'm wondering what they're thinking. I, I Yeah, I, I don't know, but that I, there was also, I'm, I, you brought up an interesting point there, Hammer, about, hey, if he got hit in the head, they would use that. They did try to say that he had possible head trauma, Dorsey did, by playing football through two years of college. So this is, like you said, they took advantage of every day of testimony using psychiatrists and former friends of his. But yes, one thing that also was in favor of Breanne Leith, Hammer, to your point, there were people that were working in law enforcement when she was a police officer that were no longer in law enforcement, got out of it for various reasons, but still showed up there to support her. I mean, she was, by all accounts, from everything we heard from IMPD, a rising star as a police officer. Only 24 years old, new Mm. on the force, had a passion for it, really wanted to serve justice, and unfortunately just... It ended like this for her, which is just such a, such a tragedy in all cases. They were showing on on Fox fifty nine one of the relatives, I believe it was her mom. I just saw it in the peripheral that said, uh, I, "I don't think she could really keep it together," but she she said, "Just go up to an officer and thank them." 
if you see one. Just thank them. And then she had tears in her eyes and, and walked away. So I'm obviously we'll get much more of the family's reaction to Brianne. Uh, in the coming days. Yeah. Again, we're being joined in studio by John Herrick. He's the news director here at 93 WIBC. Moments ago, we just got the verdict in the Elias Dorsey case. He is the man accused of shooting and killing IMPD officer Brian Leith in April of 2020. And the judge, the jury, they convened in the courtroom. It was a dramatic scene. It was broadcast. And the verdict Guilty but mentally ill on all charges, but some of those charges not as severe as they could be. Yeah, and again, reckless homicide being the lesser one as opposed to, uh, like what you said, murder one. Uh, and sentencing for this will come down. Uh, I would that, That's going to probably take some time for them to sort that out. But again, one thing that was very unusual about this case, Hammer, that you brought up about all the deliberations that happened just today alone and even into yesterday, the judge said, this is the first time in my experience that we've had to let a jury go and had them come back to hear arguments again and then go deliberate more. It was a very complicated case. And it was about 10 plus hours of deliberation yesterday. They broke last night, technically early this morning, sometime between 2 and 2.30 in the morning, and then came back to the courthouse around 1 o'clock this afternoon, heard some more closing arguments, another four plus hours of deliberation, and now the verdict has come down. Where can we get full and complete coverage at, John? Uh, 93 WIBC, of course. Uh, We'll continue to update you uh, even after your show ends. And then, of course, WIBC.com for all the online coverage. John Herrick, News Director here at WIBC. John, thank you. Thank you, guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show.